0: An award winning family owned business with exceptional diamonds, engagement rings, jewelry, and timepieces, Continental Diamond is the jeweler Minnesota adores. In St. Louis Park or online at ContinentalDiamond.com. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Tailgate presented by Continental Diamond. My old friend Dan Soder, you might know him. From his endless amount of comedy specials. You might know him from the Showtime Show Billions. You may know him as the voice of the NFL's top 100 plays on NFL Network. Die Hard Niners fan, also childhood friend of Mike McDaniel. Uh, This is a really fun episode. Uh, I think you guys are going to love it. Uh, Please give us a rating and a review if you like the show. Enjoy it, everybody.
1: I don't know what time it is. Go! Hey, we got to go, man. We got to go. Let's go. Showtime. Ta-da!
0: Joining me on today's program. Uh, this is a fun one. You know? Well, you don't know if you're listening. I was about to say, you know, when you do comedy festivals, but what a stupid <laughs> thing to say. To people who aren't comedians, when you do comedy festivals as a comedian, you get a chance to see people you haven't seen in a hundred years. And it's it turns into this unique bond. Like that's how I feel on this show. It's Dan Soder. Yeah. Every time I see you. I get so excited, yeah. and almost like I want to wrap my arms around you and not let you leave. So this, I don't know how this episode's going to go, but it's nice to see you, man. It's going to go the distance.
1: And it's great seeing you because it is comedy becomes adult summer camp. So you, yes. your friends, you only see at summer camp, you know, comics are on the road every weekend, but in different cities. So when you are, when you happen to be in a city with another comic that you're friends with, that's incredible. And then the second thing is comedy festivals where you're like, We have so much to talk about. What's happening? Yeah. Yeah. And you, a a lot of times you just pick back up from when you saw each other last. So when you reached out to me and you were like, hey, do you want to come talk about the 49ers? Which A, I always do. And B, you're like, dude, come on my podcast. I was like, 100%. I would love to do that. A meeting of two worlds.
0: Yeah. And our main goal here, like I will do my best not to unravel this thing into a two hour, you know, mutual Ted talk. Let's start. Let's start Niners here because you are. You're a diehard, lifelong Niners fan.
1: Yeah, first piece of clothing I was put in was a 49ers onesie, and it's just...
0: That's my question, because you grew up in Colorado.
1: Well, I was born in Hartford. My dad, um, my parents, my dad specifically is from the Bay Area. My mom is from Fresno. They met in San Francisco and were married there and lived there for years, and then my mom worked for Aetna, and she got transferred to Hartford, Connecticut, because that's where their home office is. That's where I was born. And then my mom got her her whole family is from originally from Colorado. And she got an opportunity to go be transferred to Denver. And she was like, Oh, Dan will have cousins and and stuff like that around. So we moved to Denver when I was five, but I was locked in as a 49ers fan. There was like I was born in 83, so I missed the 81 Super Bowl. But I, you know, you're born in the 80s to the 49ers. You're a 49er fan. There's just yeah. And then it went through. You know, I was always a 49ers fan, but the thing that really makes it set in stone is, and you know this, and every NFL team fan knows this, except maybe a young Patriots fan. The lean years (laughs) are what make you a diehard fan. The lean years where you know after Eddie DeBartolo Jr had to sell the team to the York family his sister and her husband
0: pause right there let's let's take a moment and do something that i never get to do with anyone yeah. let's cuz and i know there is some stuff at the end there that i'm not i don't need to like get it but like Eddie DeBartolo Jr is the preeminent example of good like the way that guy he introduced giving players their own rooms like all that like the way he treated players i could argue greatest owner in the history of the nfl he i I,
1: yeah he bought the team he's from youngstown ohio bought the team for a million dollars from his dad and then that was 1978 i believe he bought the team 1979 he brings in bill walsh they draft Joe Montana by 1981, they're Super Bowl champions, and then they go on a run until he, honestly, he sold the team, I believe in like, I I might be wrong about the actual year, but it was around 02, 03, and the 49ers were winning a division every year, almost every year, and almost every year in the NFC Championship game. So it was a question of, you know, you go from Bill Walsh to George Seifert, you stay good, but then you go George Seifert to mooch to steve mariucci and you stay good it's like mm-hmm. well the, that's that's ownership that's just yes. someone keeping a culture and the thing that i love about eddie bartolo jr every single player i think it's every single player from his tenure as owner that's became a hall of famer has had him induct them into the hall of fame that's nuts
0: that's the crazy thing and what a lot of people don't know is and I'm not saying it, it was his personal Yoda but when Robert Kraft was buying the Patriots he went to DeBartolo and was yeah. like how like so this this way of treating players like DeBartolo the whole thing standing in the hallway greeting the players after the game knowing their family spending this different sort of time I think makes you want to play for him Exactly and it, he just built this culture but it's interesting that you grew up like you were real little yeah. when they were on that amazing run. <laughs> so you probably have a couple memories. Yeah. But then, like, there's that core moment of sports fandom. Yeah. You know, like, 13 to 18, where the world is different. But again,
1: still fine. 49ers won it. The last time the 49ers won a Super Bowl, I was 11. It was 1994. And okay. Yeah. It was the 75th anniversary season. We beat the Chargers in the Super Bowl. And then... The next year, NFC Championship lose to the Cowboys in 95. And then we go through the Green Bay Brett Favre, the early Brett Favre years, which you guys saw them turn yep. around when Holmgren, again, a former 49er guy, goes West coast, yep. And t- turns the West Coast offense with Brett Favre. So then I hate the Packers from 96 to 99, but we get the we get the Terrell Owens catch. We get yep. like, you know. There's still moments. The last great moment I remember of the 49ers being like the old like when they were running on fumes of gas, which a lot of people don't remember this was in the playoffs. The 49ers came back with Jeff Garcia against the New York Giants. We were down like 17. Is this and- the
0: Terrell Owens crying moment? No, that was the Packers. That was a that was That the, was the uh, Packers catch. Yeah.
1: Okay, that was, that was a wild card game against the Packers in 98. That was still Steve Young. But later turn of the century, 0-2, I think it's O2, the forty it might be 0 O2, the 49ers beat the Giants on this massive comeback win in the playoffs, and then that was it. We lost to somebody, and then it was like, I think we lost to the Rams, who were the greatest show on turf, and then it got real dark, and then it got real bad. (laughs) It got, I I got, it got real. But but
0: not for that long. All of a sudden, then here comes Harbaugh. I
1: disagree. Your eight years is a long time. Stop, dude. I will not do this
0: with you. I
1: will not do this with you. Here's the analogy I always make. Growing up a 49ers fan in the 80s and 90s, NFL wise I grew up rich Yes, and then we found out my dad had been a part of a Ponzi scheme and we lost everything for 8 years I mean we lost everything we lost the house we had to go live with family and then you get this like business idea that your dad invests in that gets you money again and you got harbaugh and you've got three seasons of going you go to you go to a super bowl you go to three nfc championship games and you're like we're back on top baby and then you find out that was a ponzi scheme and then you lose <laughs> it for three more years and you're like what's going on and then kyle shanahan was like all right i'm gonna put your family you know and then now we're back in the mix where you're kind of like you don't trust the wealth but it's nice to be back
0: yeah, you're right. It must be really hard to have been rich a bunch of different times in the ah, span great. of 30 is, years.
1: <laughs> and I realize I'm talking to a Vikings fan after you guys went 0-4 in the Super Bowl in the 70s and 80s. and then yeah. just haven't been back since. If the 49ers win a Super Bowl this year, it will be one of those things where I'm like, oh, I am. I can rest. Yeah. I would cheer for the Vikings. I'll tell you the four teams I would cheer for, which surprisingly they just beat us. I would cheer for the Browns. Sure. I would cheer for the Vikings. Sure. I would cheer for the Lions. And then, of course, I mean, I'm going to cheer for him regardless, the Miami Dolphins because of Mike
0: McDaniel. I can't budge off of how I'm feeling watching you describe your hardship. And (laughs) – the it's interesting, but you're right. But it's like to watch one of the things when I was thinking about this episode, I, I wanted to I had written down. I was like, I should ask him how great it feels to have Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. But just then listening to you say that I want to set your uh, apartment on fire. So <laughs> but it is it, it yeah. is wild. You there's those rare moments. I, I felt it in 98 uh oh my god your guys's team
1: was the best team in the nfl and you know i told you about growing up in colorado my uncle my dad's half brother had uh bronco season tickets and he had no one to go with and i'm a massive nfl fan so i would go to these bronco games and it kind of got me a little bit for a while to be like, Oh, I, I like the Broncos. It's fun watching John Elway. And then when Mike Shanahan came over from the Niners, he was our O coordinator and left after that Super Bowl and came to the Broncos. I had more of an in of like, okay, mm-hmm. go Broncos. But I was at the nineteen ninety-eight AFC championship game. Really? With my uncle. And I'll tell you right now, when you guys lost to the Falcons. There was a, and I mean this, and anyone that was at Mile High Stadium will tell you this, there was a collective sigh of like, oh, okay, if the, if the Broncos win today, they'll win the Super Bowl. Like there was that like, oh, the, everyone knew in Mile High Stadium that the Vikings were the best team in the NFL. The 1998 yeah. Vikings were the best team
0: that year. And I feel like right now your li- your team is living in one of those moments. I don't want to put, I don't know where your superstitions lie. I don't want to put a lot uh, on I you. I mean,
1: recently it's, yeah, it's been so hard. Last season's NFC championship game was so heartbreaking that you're like, I, I don't even know if superstitions are real anymore. Now it's just like, I'm like a war-torn <laughs> guy where I'm just like, yeah, bring it, whatever,
0: brother. But, and I can't, I can't believe I'm going to give this to you, but I, I, I believe it in my heart. It will be, if you guys do win the Super Bowl this year, that yeah. journey, not not for all of them. I'm investing in you, my friend, who I care about. Sure. That, that personal journey of 11 years old when we won our last one and then getting to experience... Because I think every sports fan... I know it's not possible. The world isn't magic. I think every diehard sports fan should get to experience their team winning a title when they're in their youth and a title when they're an adult... That that would be sports world perfection to experience that.
1: Uh, now you gotta understand when I moved to Denver, uh, there there was a lot going on in my family. My dad ended up moving back to San Francisco. My mom raised me in Denver. When I was ten years old, I made the choice to become a Denver Nuggets fan. I was like, you know what the the Golden State Warriors were our team. I did. They traded away Tim Hardaway. I didn't like that. I didn't run. I didn't like run TMC being broken up. So I was like, you know what? I love the new. They just switched the the logo of the Nuggets to the mountain. Yes, we had Matumbo. We had Lafonso Ellis. There was like a lot of people. And I was like, I'm going to choose the Denver Nuggets because I don't have any other Denver teams. I didn't like the Rockies. They're in the same division as the San Francisco Giants. So I was like, I'm going to love the Nuggets. One of the most painful decisions I made because (laughs) then I watched the Nuggets be mid and terrible for so many years and then i watched the warriors explode and you have to understand my dad's family my grandmother specifically stayed a warriors fan everyone loved the dubs you would be in the bay area and everyone's like oh the warriors they're unbelievable they're never going to lose and they would always kind of beat up on the nuggets and i was like damn but the nuggets winning the championship this year felt so surreal because you were like i never thought it was going to happen that being said I do believe if the 49ers won the Super Bowl, I would become very emotional. I think (laughs) I think that would I I was I was happy when the Nuggets won. I do believe when you have your team, like your Mm -hmm. team, you can have several teams in a city you like, but you always have one that you're like, it's your favorite child. Yeah. And you're like, this is this means the world to me. 2019 to to get into Mike McDaniel. I was very lucky when Kyle Shanahan took when Kyle Shanahan took the head coaching job after losing to the Patriots in the Super Bowl with the Atlanta mm-hmm. Falcons. When the 49ers named John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, head coach GM, I was like, great. Then I get the text from McDaniel, I'm a 49er. I was like, this is unbelievable.
0: Mike McDaniel, head coach of the Dolphins, is a, I would say, Childhood friend, lifelong friend. You lifelong describe friend. it how you
1: want. He, he described it in a way that I never, that I was really touched by when I went to a practice in, in Miami this uh, training camp. He introduced me to one of the coaches as his oldest friend, and I was like, "Oh man, that's so nice." I was like, "That's crazy." It made me feel old as hell, but it also was like, "Yeah, that's so that's, nice." You are. That's You're very of, sweet. He's, yeah, he's one of my, and he is. He's one of my oldest friends that I have, and. I grew up, I, you know, he if, if you know the story of Mike McDaniel, his, his him and his mom lived in Greeley, Colorado, where the Broncos had training camp. He met uh, he lost a hat at practice because he used to go get interviews. A man that worked for the Broncos organization went and bought him the same hat. It was a Charlotte Hornets hat at the mall and then gave it to him. He went home, told his mom about it. His mom wanted to meet the guy. They met. They hit it off. They dated, got married. Gary, his stepfather, who worked for the Broncos, moved Mike and his mom down to uh, they lived in unincorporated Arapahoe County, a.k.a. Centennial. <laughs> I lived in Aurora, which is it's the same. And they uh, Mike and I became friends in seventh grade and became very close in seventh, and eighth and ninth grade and then um, have remained friends till
0: now, you know, well. and the wild thing about it is and I know you've said this to me before is you guys as because when you're that age, you're like yeah. 12, 13, you're like, I'm going to be ai am going to be a comedian and I'm going to be a football coach. And everybody's yeah. like, OK, and then
1: you are. Well, you know, what's funny is that it's like um, when you make when you make statements like that as a kid, you have to be willing for it to not fall exactly what it was, because I yeah. believe what it was, was he was going to play in the NFL. And I was going to be the biggest comedian in the world. (laughs) And you're like, then you scale those down to size and you go like, what about great head coach and successful, great career comedian? (laughs) You know, you're like, let's bring those down a notch. Let's just chill out on because when you're in seventh grade, you're like, I'm going to be the president and also be the heavyweight champ of the WWE. And then you're like, (laughs) chill out, dog. Why don't you become a VP of Merrill Lynch and do pretty well?
0: Yeah, I'm. Uh, what I I'm gonna wind up running the wrestling event at the VFW. That's <laughs> exactly. how it lands for me. You know,
1: I got a backyard match where a guy's gonna get set on fire. That's where <laughs> I'm gonna be.
0: Uh, the thing that I notice a lot about because I've kind of existed in this world at ESPN and here, yeah, uh, you run into a lot of athletes who would love to be stand-up comedians, and you run into a lot of stand-up comedians who're like, I feel like I would just be really good at being an athlete. Like, is there? Do you guys have that that shared like? Back and forth, like loving and kind of living through each other a little bit. Oh, absolutely, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Because he's so funny. He's
1: he's so funny, and what's uh, what's crazy is in the off season, he like loves stand up comedy. Like he like loves it. Like I'll send him, I sent him Joe List special on YouTube. Like I'll send him people that maybe I'm like, oh, I think you would love this dude, you know? And he'll be like, because he's up at two forty five. Yeah. <laughs> And he 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 busts his, his hump the whole time, but I know there's times where he's like he texted me before um, we went out we went down to Miami last year for the Browns game, and I get a text from him at like four in the morning. He's like, "Hey, your HBO special is playing right now. I'm watching it." And you're like, "Aren't you aren't you prepping for the Browns? You know, you be, like, should you be getting ready for this?" Yeah, he's like, "I well, I've seen the special. I just there's a couple bits I want to see, and then I'm going to go back." And you're like, "Oh, that's awesome." And there's what he's done for me is i don't know i knew i knew i was on athletic by the time i hit high school but what i did realize with mike was like i view football sometimes through the lens of like what what he's explained to me mm. it, it it gets interesting in different ways it's not just like the collective like let's go team everybody's everybody's great and everybody on that side's bad you just kind of realize all the interpersonal relationships and like who's been affected by who and and how like um you know, he did a fun thing for the 49ers. I don't know if I'm speaking out of school on this, but I love that he did this. One season with the 49ers, he told me, he would take a play from the team they were playing the next week, and he would run it once in a game so that when they were watching film, they'd be like, is that our play? And he would just do that <laughs> to mess with them. Just strictly to mess with them. He'd be like, we're going to run it once, and then, you know, that was it. And I was that's like, it. Hey, That's it so funny. That's him being so funny through like his you know, what he does. But he is people ask all the time. They're like, is that really who he is? I'm like, dude, that is him in those press conferences and him on the sidelines when he's mic'd up. That's 100% Mike.
0: I have Ben Lieber played for the Chargers and the Vikings made a a very very large mistake by befriending me we've gotten very close and so same thing where you just learn more about the the behind the scenes aspects and the on the field stuff where you're like oh like you go don't check it down he's like what are you talking about you're an idiot that's not how football works so you learn all this different stuff
1: i remember the first conversation having that with mike my friend chad harder and i go to all the games chad and i grew up with mike friends in high school and Uh, Chad and I were living together in Tucson. This is after I graduated from U of A. I was still doing stand-up. He was punting at the University of Northern Colorado, and it came down to Tucson to stay in shape for uh audition for uh auditions for uh when no
0: did, i love it let's go with audition. he had a football right. audition
1: he had a football audition that's such a lame uh showbiz term. but in, hey dan case, will
0: you come help me with my lines i need to
1: dude he kicked a punt one time you know how punters can make it go over or they can make it drop so yeah i didn't know they could do that and i was helping him with one of his auditions but he he punted the ball and I, we were just at like this high school football field in tucson and i'm like i put a cigarette down to catch it and uh dude the ball the, <laughs> the ball went up and then came down right on my face i mean just zeroed down and we're like well that's it for the day we're not going to run lines anymore you just busted my face
0: when I, was, uh, when I was working at ESPN, we were like... I desperately wanted the Vikings to just build a new facility. And I was yeah. just like, I just need to... Just get me in the building. Just get... I I can't remember what I pitched. Some dumb shit like, hey, what if I did... The, the, yeah. I, they were like, we get it. We love you. Just go do it. And so yeah. one of the things I did is it was basically letting me loose in the facility was they put me in pads and I was going to catch a punt. Dude, I from that moment on, I was like, whatever, somebody could... Not even catch the ball and ha- like it's it's a terrifying. very difficult task. It is a terrifying task. I don't very terrifying.
1: But I remember McDaniel called us. He was in Houston with Kubiak. Okay, and we were like asking him, "Who are they going to draft?" It was like Vince Young, Matt Liner, Jay Cutler. It was that draft. Mm-hmm. Reggie Bush. Mm-hmm. It was like unbelievable. And we were like, they were the number one pick. We we're like, who are you guys going to take? Who are you gonna take? This was the day of the draft. The draft is already in. Apparently, they had already like they knew they had already contacted him. But McDaniel was like Mario Williams, and we were like, who? He's like Mario Williams from NC State, and we we're like, who is that guy? Why would you do that? We were like calling him out, being like, that's stupid. You should draft <laughs> Bush. You should draft Vince Young or whatever. Yeah, well, it was just the way his mind was. He was like, well, Kubiak explained it to us when you're playing Peyton Manning twice a year. You need someone that's going to get in his face and disrupt him from destroying your team, and you're like, "Oh, okay." Oh, okay. so now when people make draft decisions, I'm like, "Well, they clearly know something. They're clear. They're not just doing it to be like this will piss the fan base off. They're like drafting for a reason." But I remember him telling us that. And that was like the first moment of us learning from him of like, "Oh, okay, you like, you guys know way more than we do. <laughs> you <laughs> like you just want to keep it to that." And, and that's always how it's been where it's like I, that's not my business but man i love i love hearing him talk about it and whenever I see him you know during the season or off season it's always interesting to hear him talk his business
0: and I think you're i think you deserve a fair amount of credit for the amount of chill with which you've handled yourself because I've seen pictures and I would have known if somebody like if something had gone awry and, like let me tell you this my best friend from childhood runs a restaurant inside a hotel that you've never heard of. And whenever I go there, I act unruly. Like I, I, he's like this side, you can't come to my job. He's like, you can't just walk in the kitchen. The fact that you have maintained your composure on the field, like I've seen you on the field of the sideline of Dolphins games before the game and you have it together and i believe you deserve a lot of credit for
1: that. Oh, i mean it's just i'm it, it genuinely is one of those things where no matter what happens it's it's still surreal to this day. And the best part is he's just warming up. Like the best yeah. part is he's just like
0: That's what i was going to get at is and and we'll get back to let's get back to niners. I got but we also have to talk about i believe you were at the broncos game, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, I was at seventy. I was at seventy to twenty. So we're gonna discuss that, and that's a part of this question here. I, like, it's hard to even put it into words. But he's this culmination of everything that's been happening in the league, like the the modern offenses and the way with which these young head coaches are changing the game. It's like he came around, and I'm trying to explain, like. You explain it in a in a stand-up way, right? You have a bunch of people doing a certain thing and all of a sudden one guy, you're like, oh, none of us could do it. It's he's the like yeah. You it's it's Jimmy Pardo's crowd work, right? Yeah. It's he's he's just doing this thing that I think five years from now, ten years from now, you're gonna be like, this dude changed the entire league. Like he's running plays, his old boss. Is running yeah. the next week. He's like yeah, pulling schemes out, and then the best coaches in the league are like, "What's that? Okay, we'll he do that." Sh-
1: he actually it's showed crazy. me that. He actually showed yeah. me that. I went down to the to the Dolphins Broncos game. Katie and I went down there a little early because Katie was doing leotard, and then we were going to hang out. But th- we got in Thursday, and McDaniel's you know wife Katie was she was like, "Well, why don't you guys come over and watch the game?" It was Forty Nine ers Giants, and so I wore my Niners stuff over there, and uh, <laughs> it was it it was like you know. McDaniel was like, Oh, cool shirt. And you're like, Yeah, I still love him. <laughs> I was like, I know you, <laughs> him, but you left. Katie even said that. She goes, He's the one that left. <laughs> you shouldn't be, you shouldn't feel bad. But what was interesting was like seeing kind of him watch his old team and assess certain things that maybe that me or you would never pick up on on a team. But what I really realized was, is that like, he's a culmination of your you absolutely nailed it where the nfl is going but i think a a lot of credit has to go not only to kyle shanahan but to mike shanahan yeah i think mike shanahan coached in a way where he let his assistants he let his coordinators have their own personality be themselves they didn't have to be this like exact replica of what a coach should be and i think that paid off of because when you look back to those those washington
0: coaching that washington coaching staff that that staff is dominating the league it's insane
1: you got kyle you have mike you have uh matt lafleur you have uh, our
0: guy kevin o'connell
1: kevin o'connell mcveigh there's like guys where you're just like Oh, well, that clearly all that's like when, you know, and this is this will link back to comedy. When you see a group, we always talk about the Boston group that came up to New York in the 90s. That was Bill Burr, Dane Cook, Patrice O'Neill, Bobby Mm -hmm. Kelly, Al Benny, and all those guys. And you're like, oh, well, that made sense because they come in these like groups. And I think it happens in groups. And I think people have been talking about it for years now, especially with McVay and Shanahan and the success they've had. And then Lafleur and the success he was having in green Bay. And it was interesting. Cause I was kind of sitting back being like McDaniel's coming. You can, you can yeah. give all the credit you want, but I know the second McDaniel gets a shot, he's coming. That guy yeah. has been ready for this. That guy has helped out so much. And in San Francisco which I obviously loved but it just was a matter of time it was a matter of time before he got his chance and to see him last year do well and kind of you know, turn around Tua and and make the make Miami you know a threat in the AFC East and then when I got to go down there in the offseason when I was at at the Daniel Beach improv and they were in, in training camp and I went to, I got to see him before practice And talk to him after practice. And I asked him, I was just like, How you feeling? He's like, I'm comfortable. And I was like, That's gonna mean that's gonna mean so much because McDaniel, you know, like a good comic, McDaniel knows where to what he needs to improve and how to improve it. And I think when they went and got Vic Fangio, a former Mm -hmm. 49er D coordinator, former Bronco head coach, to kind of control the defense. I think has kind of made McDaniel go into sicko mode where he's like, now I can run all these crazy plays and I can put all these people in. And, you know, he's also Italian. The thing that's overlooked about McDaniel that no one talks about is how insane of a talent evaluator he is. Because now everyone's talking about A-Chain and you're like, yeah, he's been doing that for years. He did it in Washington. He did it in Atlanta. He did it in San Francisco. And now he's doing it in Miami where he knows kind of what he needs out of a player. Raheem Mostert killing it is one of my favorite things because after the NFC Championship game in 2019 at McDaniel, I went, which I got to go to and got to go on the field with him after they beat the Packers. It was unbelievable. We were at his house and I was asking him about Raheem Mostert because I saw him have a moment with Mostert down on the field. And I was like, what did you tell him? And he was like, I just told him, I always knew this is who he was. I always knew this is what he was capable of. And I just wanted to give him credit for how hard he worked, knowing that he knew that and saw it out. Cause there was just this oh, really man. emotional moment. And you were like, that is insane. But then McDaniel tells me, he's like, I've wanted Mostert since he was an undrafted free agent when I was in Atlanta. He's like, I've been trying to get Mostert on my squad since the falcons and then now he, here he is in miami and and you know you kind of got 11 touchdowns yeah but you got Mostert, you got a chain and jeff wilson jr it's who's another back. guy that mcdaniel saw in san francisco if mcdaniel and i weren't friends there'd probably be a part of me that's a little upset because when he left san francisco he knew who to take yeah he knew who to bring with him to build up this team and it was like so cool to see it i'm, I'm so Proud of the guy, and I'm very excited for the Sunday night football game against the Eagles because after they broke Brock Purdy's elbow, I've just wanted revenge on the Eagles by any means necessary,
0: (laughs) even if it comes via your friend coaching the Dolphins. Hey, dude, sometimes you got to have a friend beat up your bully if you can't do it, you got
1: to get it where you can get it. And you know what? December 3rd is a while away, but I'm excited for December 3rd, Niners at Eagles.
0: I think he's the king. Of maximizing what's available, I, like yeah. it's like he looks at what's available to him, the resources. It's like all that crazy shit he did with Trent Williams, pulling yeah. Trent Williams out. And people don't realize that was him. That yeah. was him. And so watching what he's doing down there with the guys he has, it's just it's just incredible.
1: I'll give you the example of the playoff game last year, Dolphins at Bills. He had Skylar Thompson, and we we stayed. Chad and I stayed at the hotel connected to him. You know and he came in and, and messed with us before he went to the stadium and and I was like, how you feeling and he goes I'm gonna be honest the first half of the week I was like a little filled with anxiety and panic because I'm I have my third string quarterback against arguably the best team in the AFC and then it just clicked oh man this is fun this is yeah. fun. And then they go down 17, they come back, they almost beat the Bills in Buffalo with a third-string quarterback. And it was like, watching him and his attitude has helped me with with comedy. Just be like, oh yeah, sometimes you gotta realize like this is all fun. We're all playing with yeah. house money.
0: One million percent.
1: And sometimes you forget that. If you have a job you love, sometimes you get so down and out about tiny things that you forget the big picture. And you're like, oh, this is great. This is unbelievable.
0: It's it's absolutely because you. I find that all the time. We're like, oh my god, the flight or oh the show, yeah. like whatever it is, ticket sales or easy. dog
1: or dog <laughs> shit. In Rochester, that's where I'm going this weekend, and I'm like, ah, no one's gonna show up. And then you go, you're like, oh this this is the best job in the world. I get We're to like, go.
0: I get to go have fun. I get to go be
1: a silly boy for five shows, and it pays my rent. <laughs> like that's fine. I'm, that's,
0: I'm fine with that. This weekend, uh, here's the here's the problem. This I I warned everybody. There was a reason I put a warning on the front of this show. Yeah, is because I knew what we were capable of. So let's yeah. talk. Let's talk Niners Vikings. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about your current team, but the 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 one moment I have to ask you about. Yeah, um, because in those dark years, you know, in in the abyss, when you were right, I think it was right before, and I know a lot of people. I know Huntsberger and other people are like. They talk about the Singletary years as though they were years they spent alone on a mountain. Can't win with them. Can't win with them.
1: I (laughs) love it, dude. Singletary. Singletary does not get enough credit for his talent evaluation.
0: Yeah, for building the roster that Harbaugh ran with. Him and
1: Mike Nolan, Mm -hmm. not my future father-in-law, but the, the former head coach of the 49ers, went out and got pieces that, Harbaugh was able to come in and 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 kind of with Vic Fangio put in a pile and go like, oh Navarro Bowman, Patrick Willis, Dante Whitner, all these guys that could go. Mm-hmm. Justin Smith, getting him from the Bengals, drafting a young Alden Smith, getting all these guys that you were like, oh my god, oh my god, we're winning. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't like. Like Kyle Shanahan, it was 0-8 first season. You put in Jimmy G, he rips five. Okay, Jimmy G's the real deal. Let's give him a huge contract. And that kind of built, that was able to carry the momentum. With Harbaugh, it was literally, he came in and we started winning and no one expected it. Yeah, All, all of a sudden, Frank Gore is, is running well with under Greg Roman's offense. And Alex Smith is a game manager and he's doing really well, but this defense is just killing people and just shutting people down. That was like, oh my God, we're, oh my God, oh my God, we're back. Week one, the first game Harbaugh won was against the Seahawks, who had just kind of had us for like yes. since since the divisions had been realigned. It was just like the Seahawks had had our number, and then you just come in and you beat Pete Carroll for the first, and you're like, all right, let's go, and it was just that kind of thing. It must have felt the same way you guys did when you got Favre
0: and so now let's bring all worlds together yeah because right before you guys went on that run and built we had it is what we felt like because we had Adrian Peterson yeah. we had we had gotten Steve Hutchison probably yeah. the most underrated signing in in maybe the last 30 40 years in the NFL we yeah. put a hall of famer at left guard you have this unbelievable defense that doesn't allow anyone to get 100 yards Which, by the way
1: you guys took him from Seattle
0: yes sir we helped Which you out The reason
1: Sean Alexander fell
0: off Yes, that's right, and so and then you stack Favre on top of it. But everybody kind of forgets that the first couple games of the Favre season, we won, we were playing okay, but eh, it just didn't look right. And no matter how many people want to deny it, there were people that were like, "Is this the right decision?" Yeah. And then you came to Minnesota. I God, I
1: remember that game, and it was a it was a fight. And it was like, okay, we're in it. I remember, it, God, because it was before Sunday Ticket. I was at a bar and I was still drinking. And Favre hit your tight end in the back of the end
0: zone. It wasn't even a tight end. It was, just, it was, uh, was it? Greg, it was a- Greg Lewis. No, it was a guy that we'd we had signed. I think that week, Greg Lewis. It was Favre to Greg Lewis, and it was, it was. You're right. It was back of the end zone. It was toe touch. I remember being in the bar, being like, that wasn't a catch. I remember screaming that at the TV being like, yes. that's not a no catch. No one thought it was a catch. No, like We all got excited, but we're like, well, here comes the replay to yeah. ruin it. Oh, my God. I remember that run. And then I think you guys were the
1: favorite against the Saints, right? Don't want
0: to the... do it. I'd like to move on. I oh, just God. wanted to talk about the <laughs> the happiness that was that moment. That was
1: one of the greatest MC championship games of all time. I, I'm sorry. It just was. It was like no dog in the fight i watched that game at a bar with joe list and nate bargetsy and we sat there watching it and uh nate i would this is how it always worked back in the day when we were all out drinking i would sit in the middle and inevitably nate would find a point and joe would find a point and they would argue about it (laughs) and i would have to sit there like a referee and break it up but i remember I think it was ju- I think it was Nate that was like, "This is the greatest NFC Championship game of all time," and then it just started a conversation where
0: you know we never feel that way here because of the pain associated with it. Yeah. But if you're able to step away from it and you go, all these turnovers, all this crazy back and forth, they drive, they drive. Down. We, I, I've said this on the show before. When Favre threw that that pass to Sidney Rice on the last yeah. drive and he took it off the field, I made. You're not going to understand this with your lineage. <laughs> but I had this moment where I, I literally in my head, I didn't verbalize it. I was like, we're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And and then to get to 12 men, and I just. I'm going to tell you right
1: now, I had that same exact feeling when my beautiful fiance got me tickets to the 2019 Super Bowl, 49ers Chiefs. Oh. We were up by 10. I really was oh. like, I think McDaniel's about to win a Super Bowl. By the way, just for future reference. I will never in my life say McDaniel's going to win a Super Bowl until there is zero on the clock and they are lifting him up because twice now, Cy, twice, Falcons versus the Patriots. Oh, no. In the first half, at the halftime, I go, cool, McDaniel's going to get a ring. Patriots came back. Chiefs, Niners. I'm not saying so I ain't you're never hearing that out of me until it happens and until I know the game is over and the confetti is until he is in a shower of confetti will I that's the next time I will say that
0: that's welcome to the psyche of a Vikings fan oh my god that is that is how we live all the time and forever I mean especially with 98 and then yeah the
1: 09 NFC championship game Mm oh
0: yeah, I can't yeah. I don't we could talk about it. we'll we'll just keep moving. Let's talk about we were at Montreal together. Yeah, right? twenty eleven. Let's talk about if we're at Montreal together and I I like you said to me, like someday I'm gonna be the voice of the NFL network's top one hundred plays that have been like, Hey guys, did you know Dan is insane? Yeah, he's out of what? his mind. That's insane.
1: Yeah, it was um I, I owe it all to uh, former NFL films producer Paul Minuski i probably butchered his last name but i just know him as paul he is uh he no longer works in nfl films which is a crime it truly is a crime because he was one of the best producers i've ever worked with on anything and he was a fan of the bonfire on sirius xm which is still monday through thursday uh 5 to 7 p.m with big jokerson and robert kelly i'll still plug the show sirius (laughs) Sirius xm fashion talk 103 um He was like, hey, man, would you have any interest in doing some like voiceover for NFL films? And I was like, that's all I've ever wanted to do. I would love to do that. (laughs) Besides comedy, all I've ever wanted to do was those recap videos where you're like, and the 49ers knew that that day would be different from the rest. And he said, listen, we're doing NFL Top 100 for NFL films. It's going to be on NFL Network. Would you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, dude, that sounds so good. He's like, well, we got Wendell Pierce from The Wire doing like the longer stuff but we need someone that's like intermittent like in in between those we need you and i was like sign me up and i've been doing it for seven seasons now yeah what's crazy is now i find out the list and i tell mcdaniel how many dolphins got on it now i'm like i'm gonna tell you who's on it and where they're at so you can tell them because so they'll know before but my friend chad harder who i brought up was sitting at home watching it this is like 2016 2017 and there's a clip where i talk about the, the Devonte freeman and this is when he was with the falcons mm-hmm. and i go like number 32 is Devontae freeman whose ability to get away from the and then it cuts to mcdaniel coaching up Devonte freeman on the falcons and chad sent me and mcdaniel the clip and he's like it goes from Soder's voiceover to you coaching. He was like, I was freaking out in my house. And you're like, yeah, that's awesome. That's like the coolest one.
0: That's like, that's the pinnacle moment.
1: Yeah, that was the moment where you're like, that's insane. That one of our buddies is at home and he hears me do the voiceover into a clip of McDaniel coaching. And you're like, come on, dude, come on.
0: Let's talk. Let's, and we'll, you got to get off. I know you got to get off here, but let's close with your, uh, your lovely fiance. Yes. Uh, uh, who I, care about a great deal.
1: I mean, you guys, but you guys came through the mud together doing Snapchat Sports Center. (laughs) I know about your guys' time in the suck at ESPN.
0: I always thought I was a hard worker. And I remember the first day at ESPN, I did the night show, she did the morning show. And I walked in from essentially my shift and she was sitting, like show long put out. Her show had gone out hours ago. She was sitting on the floor of uh, a mutual friend, the incredible Steve Brayband.
1: Yeah, I love Steve Brayband, and shout out Ashley Brayband.
0: And Ashley, both of them were Ashley, both of them incredibly skilled at ESPN. Ashley
1: was ended up being Katie's producer on Always Late, and Steve is now with the WWE. Shout Which out is Steve. yeah,
0: that that's a big win for you. And so <laughs> the uh, I remember she was sitting on the floor, like just ripping ideas, yeah. and I. You know, it was like when you walk into a green room and you see like and I always knew she was talented and I was a fan of hers and I was excited to meet her. But, you know, when you walk into a green room and you're like, oh, is Chappelle in there just working on his bits before the show? And You're like, God damn it. You're like, I am going to have to work. Dude, she's a she's so good.
1: I opened for Ali Wong at the Paramount Theater in Austin, Texas, and this is right after Baby Cobra came out. And I've known Allie for for a while and I opened for Allie and uh, she rips it like absolutely destroys. And then after the show, I'm like, oh, you want to hang out? And she just goes and listens to the show and tries to add tags to the bits because she was doing a second show. And I was like, yeah, I don't I don't work hard. Yeah, <laughs> I don't work hard at all. And, you know, what's funny is Katie's that is absolutely Katie's personality. She is one of the hardest workers I know. Like she is like a she's got like the, the mindset of a hunting dog. Where you're like, give her a smell and she'll just she'll just go after it. Like she's on Celebrity Jeopardy right now. She just advanced to the semifinals. It's,
0: she is Rosie Perez. I know you, I know you, I know you said that, but like yeah. anybody who's seen her on there, you're like, what is happening? How is yeah. she this good at it?
1: And I'm telling you right now, if you're in the semifinals of Celebrity Jeopardy, get ready. Cause I watch her study and I'm like, <laughs> you're gonna body everybody. She's just like, her Katie's Jeopardy training montage is Clubber Lang and Rocky Three, where like all the other celebrities are at like, you know, like a golden gym, like barely, they're like, oh, I love this. And then Katie's like, hur, hur. and she's just doing pull ups on just like nails. It's wild. I'm watching her study. I'm like, she's gonna body everybody in this. Celebrity Jeopardy semifinal coming up.
0: It's a weird spot for you because I know the thing that that is cool about my house is I'm the funniest guy in it, undisputedly. Dude, there's
1: been moments where she says stuff where I go like, you know, that's like a full bit, right? And she's like, oh, it's right. wild.
0: We did yeah. this thing where she like it was we were doing fake brackets, yeah, right? Fake brackets for March Madness. And, you know, we walked in to start filming and it was one of those things where everyone, every response she had and everything she said, I was like, should I be a comic? Yeah. Is that what I should do with my life? Yeah. I'd probably be a teacher from now on. She was so funny. She's
1: she's hilarious. And it's it's uh, it's like one of the greatest things is. Finding someone like her to be in love with that I'm just like, Oh, you're the you just every day she makes me laugh in a way where I'm like, This is the best. This just rules. This is and also you'll you'll enjoy this because you know her. One final McDaniel story. I knew he was leaving the Niners. Mm -hmm. Right? If through him and his wife, I kind of knew that they were going to explore him being a head coach. And Katie was in the kitchen and Katie goes, I go, I think McDaniel's leaving the Niners. And she goes, Oh, that's so awesome. Just end up in the afc east because she's a pats fan and i was like yeah 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 and then he got hired by the dolphins and katie goes no dolphin stuff no dolphin stuff in this house and i was like all right and so i've over the past two seasons i've been able to begin in three items of merch i have a t-shirt a sweatshirt and i just ordered a new sweatshirt because it's really cool and i re- but at the we were talking about the broncos dolphins game
0: mm-hmm.
1: that felt so good to watch because I remember when McDaniel knew he was going to leave the 49ers, the Broncos wanted no nothing to do with him, no interview. And he was a ball boy there. He was mm-hmm. like it made the most sense for him him to go back and turn that organization around. And they didn't. And then he hung 70 70. On him, and then he took a knee. He still showed grace, even though he had the knife at their throat and he removed it. It's I so love great. it. I love it. I, I told bike club line after the game i wrote broncos that's going to be the best breakfast they've ever had in their lives <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Then you put the gun to the to the liquor store guy's head i was like that's going to be the best breakfast you just save them you know vance joseph that's going to be the best breakfast of his life but yeah man, it's insane it's like um but 49ers vikings i know we got to go i love kurt cousins i love him I know how good he is because of how much McDaniel and Shanahan have talked about him and mm-hmm. his time in Washington and how much they enjoyed coaching him and how great he is. Like, there's always that rumor that cousins that Shanahan or McDaniel are going to go for. Yep. Cousins. I think that's a sign that you got a keeper right there when you're like, oh, this guy stays even killed. Even with your record right now, I don't. I, you guys are still a threat. You're still a yeah. threat. I, I think there's a lot of parts of the Vikings team that's like have been building over years. and I think um similar to the Lions, I think the Vikings are kind of that up next mentality. I think the Bears are in disarray. I think the Packers are they have to do that reset like they did after cut far- them down. The cut them down. And it's like that Monday Night football game is gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how the 49ers respond after losing to the Browns and mm-hmm. how comfortable the Vikings are. Just in general, playing a very good team, playing a very solid team.
0: It's going to be, fu- it's always, some fans want, you know, you stack W's. That's the point. Get the yeah. best, get the best, you know, place you can in the postseason and then see what happens. But I always love the moments when you get to see where your current version of your team stacks up against the best team or one of the best teams in the league. It's one of those moments. So I think it's going to be really fun.
1: And I think this is like, Yeah, this is the part of uh, of having a good team that should make you nervous. But it's also kind of a cool thing where you're like, yeah, man, they're coming for it. Everybody's going to Vikings are going to show up and really try to take the Niners out because the Niners. I mean, I saw what it did for the Browns. Uh, They've they've had a whole week of like we beat the Niners. And you're like, so it meant it means a lot for teams to beat the 49ers right now. So I'm just hoping that doesn't happen.
0: Last thing we do. I know you're going to hate it. Uh, I need a score prediction. I love you.
1: And I want you to know that before I say this. I love you. Okay. I think it's going to be 31-14, 49ers.
0: That's interesting. I also love you. And uh, I I did think the Vikings defense would show up a little better than you're thinking because I thought it would be Niners 14, Vikings 138. Dan, <laughs> it's nice to have you, buddy.
1: I'm saying it, it will be close. It will be close till the third quarter, and then the 49ers will find a way to pull
0: away. That's, that's what I think. Totally. I don't care about that at all. It's my show. The show's over. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. Sigh, you rule, dude. I'll talk to you soon. Later, bud. Thanks again to the great Dan Soder for joining the show tonight. And thank you to our sponsor, Continental Diamond. Be sure to like, subscribe, and download the podcast anywhere you listen to your favorite shows. And we will see you all again next week. Join PA at the Crystal Buffalo Wild Wings this Friday from 9 to noon for Friday Football Feast presented by Coors Light. Enjoy food and drink specials and a chance to win Viking tickets and more. Visit vikings.com BWW for full schedule and details.